right, Jackson. Here we are. I'm wiped, man. I was feeling all right, and now that I've sat down, it's, it all catches up. Catches doesn't up. It? We, we have spent the day branding. Yeah, big work day today, y'all. First off, we'll why don't we get our excuses of why we didn't release a podcast last week out of the way? Yeah, yeah, legitimate. It's legit. I mean, you are right. By the time this comes out, you the news may be on the ground, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone Jackson's expecting a child. Who is how many days overdue now? Haley is today is 10, 10 days overdue. So, yeah, it's very difficult when you're. It was last episode <laughs> we talked a little bit about the the pregnancy advices. You know, maybe don't, the don't. most important thing is. <laughs> To not be a couple hours away, yes, recording a podcast when your wife goes into labor, yeah. So yeah. when your wife is overdue by ten days, you probably literally you're feeling like okay, it's probably going to happen today, yeah. And you really <laughs> just can't, you can't go anywhere, can't do anything. I know, and it's and now we're so many days past that it doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. And I she I feel so bad for her because every morning she just wakes up and you can just tell she's like. Ugh. It didn't happen. Uh, she usually has her babies at night. Oh, you know, in the past four have all been nighttime babies and uh, another day, just another day. So that's, that is one of the big driving reasons we were not able to get together and record this last week is because Jackson has been at just home trying to stay close, just waiting for trying to stay close the trip to the trip to the, the birthing center. So, but here we are, we're back together because Luke made his way to Lewistown because today we branded, we branded our calves today, calves rather. We didn't brand the cows, just the baby calves. It was a big day. First time in, I'm just going to loosely say 50 years, Rooster's 70 and Rooster's had his own cattle probably since he was a teenager. So it could be even more than 50 years. First time in 50 years that Rooster has not been around to brand his own cattle. He's relied on somebody else, his children, to brand his cow herd for him. I just couldn't believe when, when all of our scheduling was coming together and the mom and dad, Rooster and Woo, had a, had a prior engagement today. And this, this was kind of the only day I could brand because, well, with the baby stuff going on and then I've got to leave for NASCAR next week, this is kind of the day that we could get a crew together and dad's like, oh man, we've got something. We've got a family deal we got to go do. And I said, you know, we can do it. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to relinquish power. I, I, you just, it's one of those things where you don't, you don't think it's going to happen. Like there's no way that they'll get it done right. Yeah. It's been a, I don't think he could have contributed much today because he got dinged up a little bit. Oh recently. yeah. He got kicked in the knee by a cow. And so he's been, he's a little bit laid up. So he, yeah, he probably would have sat, sat on a bucket and <laughs> coached <laughs> right from the sidelines today yeah. if he was here, but nonetheless, he would have been overseeing and yeah. He, yeah. He called me last night, just, just almost beside himself. Yeah. <laughs> losing his mind that of, of all of what's going to happen with and, him not here. And understandably, branding. I mean. I totally understand. It was like, I remember the first time I sent a driver out with my truck. You're just like, and don't forget to, you know, it, you know, so I can understand where he's coming from. But he, even this morning, so we rounded everything up and brought him into the corrals before they left for the day. And you could just tell he, 
like we got him in the corral and we're like, okay, well, all right, man, better get on the road, huh? And don't, you know, don't forget, you got to brand them while they're in the shoot. Don't forget, you know, I'm exaggerating, of course, <laughs> but you just, you finally had to just be like, Rude, just give him a big hug and was like, all right, man, we, we got it. They will, it'll be done when you get home tomorrow. Don't worry. Yeah. And he, when we, my kid and I, we drove over this morning and we happened to pass mom at Roost and you crossed and mom, them out we, there on the highway. And so we just met them at a, at a, a store there to say hi for a couple of minutes. And same thing. He just, just carrying on, ah, man, I'm just so nervous. And I <laughs> said, dad, what's the worst that can happen? No, I mean, like, what is the worst that can happen? I mean, the worst thing within normal that could happen, I guess. Like, right. Of course, someone could die, something yeah. like that. But he has no, but anything that he was here that he, he could have prevented from happening, what's the worst thing you can imagine that could happen? And if it happens, all right, cool. Next week, we just bring the cows in and redo it. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. Start over next week. Um, but here we are. You know, in pretty good shape too. We got done by, we branded about a hundred and I think it's about 160 calves and we got them done by. So, so branding, vaccinations, castrations. Yeah. And before that, so you got to round them up, bring them all into the corral and then you got to split them apart. You got to take the cows and separate from the babies. So they're out of the way. And then after we separated the cows, we had to give them a dewormer clean them up, you know, to kick them out to grass. So we did that as well. And then, yeah, once the branding starts, yeah, the general basic, you bring them in and you got to, you got to give them a brand. You got to give them some vaccinations to help keep them healthy and get them out and going. And then you may or may not give them a little, a little row grill to help boost their growth a little bit too. And uh, yeah. And you, oh, and then the, the knife cut castration. We're one of the last holdouts. Still knife cutting the bulls when we castrate. A lot of a lot of folks band them when they're when they're first born. They put a little tight band on them. You do that with all the sheep, right? You yeah. always band sheep, but kind of just old. I guess it's just because of old tradition. Really, we rooster likes to leave the leave the old testicles <laughs> intact for you know the first few months, and then we knife cut them. And that's one thing he's passed down to me. I've done it over the years, but he always does it. He's like the guy, but I've watched him and watched him and, and stepped in and done it. This was, I got a lot of practice today because it was like, all right, this year we were really heavy on bulls. I think we had like a hundred bulls compared to 60 heifers. Generally, you should have 50-50, right? I mean, that's kind of how the earth balances itself <laughs> for whatever reason this year. We had so many more bulls, which is great because they're worth more money than the heifers, but it, Made for a big old day of castrating by hand with the old knife today. Yeah, there's, I banned my cows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do that more because I'm by myself. It's easier to do it. Because we have to, to castrate them, you got to lay the calf over. So you either got to have, you know, a horse and a rope to, to kind of stretch the calf out, or you got to be able to put them on a calf table that you can lay over so the calf is laying, you know, horizontally so you can get at it to do your operation. But yeah, you're you're doing it on your own. Obviously, there may be people concerned about <laughs> I don't know if the ethics is the right word, the animal welfare of, of castration. Well the reality is, is that 
the most of the beef you're eating in grocery stores has come from a castrated. And here's why. So it's happening. So <laughs> we're just, we don't need to even talk about why we're just, it, it's happening. And if you choose to eat beef, it's happening. Yeah. But, but, but the thing is, is if you didn't castrate bulls, if you just let them stay intact and grow, you can only eat them for hamburger. That's it. The, the testosterone that it toughens that meat up so fast that by the time they get big enough to process, you're just going to have hamburger. So, so banding, you know, the people who don't like to band get concerned that, well, so anyone who doesn't understand what banding is, you have a, you have a little, really tight rubber band, essentially. It's this thick little, little tiny rubber band. You stretch it out, the scrotum and the testicles go into it. And then the, the band is released and it tightens and it cuts the blood supply off. And without blood supply, they just dry up and fall off essentially. Yeah. So some of the people who don't like banding say, well, if you, if you don't get two testicles inside of the. Yeah, you could, if you don't get two. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, it's a concern. Right. Because like, well, if you leave one more? testicle, you know, it, it's re, it is sealed off up in the animal, but they still have the testosterone. They get kind of a, a different look and, and feel to the animal. They than kind of the become steer. an in-between. What's the word they use? Stag? A stag, yeah. yeah anyway. I, I was reading an article by a vet who, who liked banding and he, he addressed that issue of, of the testicles missing one. And he said in his experience, it's really, really a concern, but it's really easy to overcome is that if you develop the skill, so wait, he or, has a trick, like a trick, he has a trick to, okay. to not missing a testicle. He goes, if you develop the ability to count to two, you are able to make sure that you don't miss a testicle That's because you can, <laughs> you can feel and go one, two <laughs> testicles in an end. So. Anyone who has concerns about banding, if you work on that one, two counting, <laughs> you usually you can, got it. You can avoid <laughs> that, issue, that issue. That's true. That's a great point. I will. I know that saying cutting testicles sounds a little barbaric. I will say this. If you are ever in a position to watch a calf that's been banded versus a calf that's been castrated with cutting like today, especially if you use very fresh, sharp scalpels. Mm -hmm. I, I think the potential pain that the, the calf experiences is less with the cutting. Isn't that weird? They, I mean, these calves, when, when they're cut, if you do it right, it, essentially no bleeding. A couple little twinges, they just kind of tighten up just a little bit. But as soon as they're off the table, they're up, running around, acting, it's showing, crazy. showing yeah. no pain, whereas... When you band, you know, calves or sheep, they, they lay there for a minute. Yeah. Know? They just kind of flop over. Kind of flop like, over oh. and lay there for a minute. And after a couple of minutes, they're up and they're, they seem to be okay after that. Especially if you use a really tight band, there's a lot of research that shows really high quality, tight bands. You have an anesthetic, a natural anesthetic response that comes from a really tight <laughs> band. But, you know, speaking of, kind of castration. <laughs> I just, just remembered something. Uh, we used to castrate hogs from time to time mm -hmm. and it was, um, it was a very simple process. And one, one other thing real quick, when you talk about castration, it's not cutting their nuts off. They're being removed from their body. It's not like you just grab it and, and lop them off. There's a way there's actually a procedure where you, you remove them. You essentially pull them out and remove them completely. 
It's yeah. Not, it's yeah. You don't. It's we, not just like you just lop things. People off. say, "Yeah, cut their nuts off." That's not really what's happening. So with with the the pigs again, very common to animals that are being raised for food. It's very common, mm-hmm. almost across the board. You you you, you are going to especially them. pigs more than any other animal. Pigs have to be castrated, or they they are so, <laughs> they get so nasty. Those but old boars. The, the castration process with pigs when we were growing up, it it was tie rope around their back legs yep. and and a beam above our you heads. Elevate their just, legs up. Just run that over there so their their back end is lifted off the ground, and it was a scalpel. Yeah, two very small incisions in the, the scrotum. Just remove the testicles and, yep. you know, disinfect it. And then on they go and usually never an issue. They just go on, yeah. And it was a very, very simple, quick, almost a thoughtless process. Uh-huh. I'd even, I've even dad, you know, rooster, I'd, we'd castrated before just having a gate, you know, a gate's going to swing. And so where the hinges are, and if you're up against a fence line, you know, you can push a hog into where the hinges meet the fence line and then just squeeze them. Push them in there. And just hold, you know, squeeze them in there. And we've, we've done it that way before. So I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. <laughs> I can't wait to find out. I took a, I took a, a pig butchering course once and it was, it was, it, it was kind of an art, artisanal, that's the right word. Arti- like an artisan? Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was smoking the meats, curing the bacon, you know, in a smokehouse. Like a real grassroots kind of. Using everything. I mean, everything. I mean, we collected the blood from the butchering and while we were doing it, they made blood sausage. I mean, it was using everything from the animal, you know, how to cure your, your ham. And then you hang your ham essentially from the roof of your ceiling for a year. I mean, so this isn't just like, okay, go in. Like how you cut the quarters up and. Yeah. yeah, So it's, it's not like the butchery of just going and getting pork chops. How you, you know, if you want to do that, this was, you know, a pretty involved neat course. One of the guys in there had been butchering hogs this way for a while. And he came just to learn some new techniques and he went on a big story once of how they had a boar, they had to castrate and they weren't sure. And so they ended up, Feeding in a bunch of beer, got it drunk, what? and then they did what? all these different things, you know. And they and they were trying to hold it down in the caster. And I said, "Did you just try tying the back feet up and <laughs> just slicing it?" <laughs> did mean to like blow his mind? Uh, is he like, "Oh, huh?" I I couldn't tell if his mind was blown or if he was really upset with me for ruining a good story. His good story of how, you know how they were. But anyway, that's where I was going with that story. But it was, I always <laughs> got it drunk and gave it a little cocaine. Mm-hmm. We went ahead with the procedure. Yeah. yeah so, but yeah, today it went good. Relatively injury free. I, I managed to. You got a ding? I got hit on the shoulder with the branding iron. So I got, oh, a, yeah. I got a burn on my shoulder, burn through my shirt and shoulder. Oh, I see. Yeah. That was a. A calf who tried to jump out a weird corner of the chute, so I moved over real quick to grab it, and the, that was right where the branding iron was hanging, so it caught me. And I'm not sure how one of the one of the syringes. Again, I got a, I took a needle poke to the to the thumb with that. And of all the things that you cannot damage, hands like yeah, I got to keep my eyes intact to drive truck, and you got to keep your hands intact to do dental work. Oh. Yeah. So, but I think I think I'm all right. My thumb's turning weird colors. The joint isn't working, but I think it'll be all right. Gangrene has set in. But I think I'll be okay. 
You you could do a ozone injection in your rear end again and see if that. Oh, I might have to see if that. <laughs> so this this past week I had something happen that I wanted to run by you. Huh? I have a I have an acquaintance in in the sheep my my sheep dealings. I have an acquaintance who've done some sheep stuff with, and as I've had some distance from an experience this week with her, I realized that most of my dealings have been me doing favors for her. Okay, <laughs> and I'll get into that. But she, I think everybody has one of those in their life at some point where you can go, you know what? This just kind of seems like I only hear one. I'm going to get your advice. I think, I think I might've lost her number this week after this experience. Maybe, maybe I should You have some tremendous sheep stories, by the way, between load and sheep. And this, this one is just straight up someone's behavior. Okay. This lady had, had a sheep dairy. There are some some sheep products that you'll find dairy sheep dairy products you'll find at specialty grocery stores, some really good cheeses, for instance. But you don't see it a lot because sheep are you just milking sheep is not a, a real common thing. So she had started this dairy and was was oh it was sheep not goats no, sheep a sheep dairy sheep dairy yeah. Huh. So she had been milking and doing her stuff, but she found someone over in the Polson area, which is up on the Flathead Lake that was going to milk all her sheep. So she shipped all her sheep off to him and he was doing the milking and he was supposed to deliver a couple pallets of milk that she would then do all the processing of and nothing showed up. So she starts tracking it down. He had completely quit milking her (laughs) sheep. Not only that, he started selling her sheep (laughs) and he had them spread out on multiple properties and he just wouldn't tell her anything going on. She got the, the brand inspector in the department of, I think the brand inspectors are illegal. I mean, yeah, like, like this is this is serious. This isn't like oh, like you can go to jail for this stuff. So if you if you have someone's animals and you, you won't return them, you know, if this if everything's your your everything's legitimate, it the brand inspectors legally they can it's a law enforcement arm. They can come in there and right, they can arrest you and haul you to jail. So <laughs> I, I actually I witnessed that at a ranch one time. I got called in to truck some cattle. It was a bankruptcy deal. And as we're there trying to sort and loading the bankers, trying to sort all these cattle, the sheriff showed up. The brand inspector showed up. They arrested this guy and hauled him to jail. So like, it is a, it's a serious thing. So they had the brand inspector you know, involved with, with this. And, and she had not put anything in writing contractual with this guy. So the brand inspector said, we, we really, there's not much we can do. Because he's saying, it's your word against his. You know, you don't brand sheep. So anyway, Mm. so they were able to figure out. Which is not true. You don't have to have stuff in writing. That's not a thing anymore. Well, for this, they, it was kind of he said versus she said. Yeah. She's saying this, this is what was happening. He's saying, no, that's what she's saying is a lie. And so it was like, it was, so anyway, the brand inspector essentially said, I would just go gather everything you can and take the hit on what you have no idea what became of the rest of them. So. She, so she called and they told me the story and said, so our trailer is not big enough to haul all the sheep that we can go get. <laughs> so this is going to be your take. Can we borrow your, your stock trailer? You've had pretty good experience with people borrowing your equipment, haven't you? No, <laughs> not, not as of late. <laughs> not as of late. <laughs> you have to talk about that sometimes. <laughs> so, I, so anyway, I said, yeah, that, yeah, you can borrow it. That's fine. And it's a nice trailer. Your sheep trailer is nice. Like it's, it's been, it's old, but it's, it's, it's old, nice. but it's nice. It's been taken care of. So 
So I see, yeah, that's that's fine. You can you can borrow it. So they come to get it, get them all set up with it. And so when they were and so they ended up putting about a thousand miles on this trailer. Pulse, yeah. Well they went from where I'm at back to where they live. Okay. Helena. From Helena up. to Polson. Polson back to Helena. Helena to the they're just selling all their sheep from there because they couldn't they couldn't oh. keep all these sheep. So okay. to Billings to the auction. Oh, from man. Billings back to Helena, Helena. It's probably a lot more than a thousand miles. I think I I think <laughs> that's a lot. I actually worked it out and it was around a thousand because I had to talk to her about it. Uh-huh. So so she writes me and says, okay, we're returning your um, trailer um, tomorrow. Uh, we had a blowout on it. Um, I did send the spare tire with them. So, you know, whatever. I always, you know, with those trailers, you take up spare because it's the pain in the butt. Yeah. They had a blowout. She goes, we took it to the tire shop. We had them put a used tire on it and we'll, we'll drop the receipts off that you can reimburse us. What? <laughs> the trailer. What? No way. There's no way. Yeah. She seriously wrote you that. Yep. I'll turn you in the receipts for the used tire we put on your trailer you let us borrow and put a thousand miles on. Yeah. We want you to pay us for the tire. Yep. For the used tire. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I, so I wrote her back and said, <laughs> all right. I said, I, I love, here's the thing, you guys. I can't wait to hear what this response is because Luke always has the best. You just are so good about your response. Well, I had a lot of things to say and I, I you just didn't. decided, I, I, let me think. I said something on the lines of, hey, I'm, I have to admit I'm surprised that I'm surprised that you're wanting me to reimburse you. You borrowed my trailer, put a thousand miles on it, and put a used tire on it. Yeah. <laughs> What's a new then, tire then, for a trailer? And then you're going to have me you want me to reimburse you for it. I said, I'm just surprised that you would, you would utilize my trailer this and you would even consider that I, asking me to reimburse well, for I, use. I, I said, I, I'm just sitting I here said if you, I, and I wrote, if you're going to, if I'm going to be paying for it, I at least want to pay for a new tire. <laughs> I, want a, I, want I want a new, a new tire. On my trailer. So, so now I, now I'm going to be paying you back for the used tire and Damn. I'm going to go down and buy a new tire yeah. to put on it. Cause there's a reason they have a used tire. Like, <laughs> I said, and I just said, well, I said, it, it's, this is just really weird to me, but it is what it is. Make sure you leave me the mailing address and I'll send you a check. And then after a while, she back and said, oh, she goes, actually, actually, we'll just cover it. Thanks. I would 100% lose the number. Yeah, I think. I just because of the um, lack of awareness and appreciation. I'm not telling people to be like me. I have borrowed a trailer before and had a blowout on it. And I replaced four tires on it for the person. Did you? I was in an emergency. And I hate, if I ever have to borrow stuff, I always ask, can I rent this from you? Uh-huh. I always say, can just I rent Just you know, yeah. I just, I, I don't like borrowing stuff from people, but sometimes you, sometimes you're in a jam and you need to. Yeah. So I always ask if I can rent and if, and, and where we live, you know, it's, it's, it's neighbors, it's, it's friends, it's, you know, family, it's all this stuff. And there I was like, nah, use it, use it. So if I have a blowout and the other tires don't look good, I, I replaced all the tires and I'm not telling everyone else that they should do that. But if you at least pay for the one tire. I, I, I just can't believe. I thought you were just messing with me when no. you said that. 100% true. But you know what I had? How can you have so little self-awareness, though, to think for a second that that's, bought, that that's even in the realm of acceptability? I would just be... First of all, I'd be mortified that I borrowed your thing and something happened while I was using it. It's just like, ah. Oh, so what do you do? Yeah. I mean, very least 
throw a new tire on it. A new tire for you. And just say, hey, man, I had a blowout. Put a new tire on. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> you know, I wonder if it's like a, I don't know if this is kind of like a small, I don't want to say like a f- small farm culture, but like something with that area. I don't know. I remember growing up, Rooster had, he, he got a big, nice gooseneck stock trailer. And it was aluminum and, and you could haul a lot of cattle in it because it was, it was wider than most. It was set up and it was as wide as a semi-trailer. So whereas most stock trailers are only six feet wide, this one's eight feet wide. And people would ask to borrow it. And Rooster's so good. And it used to drive me nuts because dad's so giving. Rooster's just like, yeah, no. And he's always been that way to where when I was young, I'd watch people like drive off with our tractor. And I'm like, what? Are- hey. No, why are they, why are you letting them use our tractor? You know, being selfish, but the, the last straw for rooster one day, he, he had let someone borrow this, this gooseneck and assuming you assume anytime that you give someone permission to borrow your equipment, it's not like a, a yearly pass, right? It's like a, anytime you need something, you kind of have to renew the ask. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Dad had to haul some some cattle out to pasture, had a bull or something that was lame he needed to haul home. And he's like, hey, go hook up the gooseneck. We got to run out to the to Pishkin. And I go back there at the feedlot to hook up and the trailer's gone. And so I go and I was like, hey, the, the trailer's not here. And he's like, what? I was like, I, it's just, it's not there. So he starts thinking of all the people that he knows that he's given permission to borrow this. Nobody recently, though. So he makes some calls and he finally finds the guy that was using it. And he's like, you got my trailer? He's like, yeah, I needed it for something. I came in. You know, I borrowed it several months ago and you told me I could use it. And he's like, yeah, six months ago you can use it. I need it now. So the guy came rolling in with it, you know, and brought it back. But dad was so mad, so mad. I've never seen him mad about something like that because he's always been so giving. And after that, he went up to the co-op and bought a, a big long padlock and had to start padlocking the hitch on his gooseneck. <laughs> He'd hitch it shut and padlock it because he's like, I don't mind letting people use my stuff, but they can't just come in here and take it. And you know, the feedlot's <laughs> kind of by the highway there. It's easy to come in and out. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, it's, I had the same thought back then going, how do you, I mean, I was only 15, but I'm like, I kind of understand the etiquette of borrowing. You're always, what's the, you always return it better than you've found. Like, like if you borrow someone's pickup, you go fill it up with gas, right? You just top off the tank, return it to them full of gas because they let you borrow their rig for anything. Yeah. Even if you only used it to haul furniture across town and you had to go put $70 of gas in it, it's the principle of you really helped me out of a jam. You had something that I don't, that I needed. And he, here it is. Yes. It was only to haul a couch across town, but here's, here's a full tank of fuel. Mm. I, I can't believe it. I mean, this, this, same, this same person who borrowed my trailer has before I was picking some sheep up in Idaho and they wanted a ram from the same breeder. And so I, oh, can you bring it back with your sheep? Which, okay, yeah, great. I had to go out a little bit, out of my way a little bit to on deliver it not even say hey can we if you bring this back we'll cover your return gas yeah hey i'll give you a 100 bucks for bringing this thing back saves us a huge amount of money and time nothing just zero 
just <laughs> just oh okay like it's almost expected like the same person was trying to get get some some sheep meat deals set up with some restaurants and some local things and it oversold what their stock was so in a pinch kind of an emergency trying to find it had to be dorper sheep oh which is not a lot of those i right. you know i i had lambs. You have one of the biggest bunches now so i i sold them sheep at a steeply discounted price so they could continue these contracts that they set up i a little bit was hoping that you know they could develop these and they need more lambs and they had a capacity so i could potentially help with that so i was okay selling it cheaper than what the market was but nonetheless i i really helped them out of a jam oh, a couple other things similar and but right I got to read you something I, I wrote this, I read, and this, this was right before they borrowed this trailer. And after this, this, mm -hmm. and this, I'm going to tie this into a little bit. You had been asked one time about your networking, you know, how you network. Yeah. And I thought this was really interesting. It's about, it was a, someone I follow about successful networking. And one of this lady's principles with networking is don't be a taker. And she said her mm -hmm. friend once told me he doesn't even respond to requests for meetings, phone calls, et cetera. And when she pressed him why, he tells, or when people press him why, he won't take these meetings. He says, I think you take more than you give. And then she says, successful networkers give. Hmm. So don't be a taker. Yeah, that's smart. Don't be a taker. Yeah. And if you are a taker, make sure that you are giving back with whatever you took. <laughs> and and that'll, I can see the value of that in, in networking. But yeah, I Good. It just, it always puts you on a good side of someone. Like if someone in your instance uses your stuff and it's always, it's always coming back way, you know, it's washed, it's clean, it's fueled up, it's got new tires on it. You're not being a taker. You're just, you're giving so much more than what you actually, you did. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's funny. It's funny you brought up this. We had an instance this week again with Rooster here where I am starting to realize that kindness doesn't always pay. Kindness rarely pays. I'm going to go as far as to say now that kindness rarely pays. And what I mean by that is, I don't want to say I'm a pushover, but I'm very easygoing. So my philosophy, for example, if I want to get something done on my truck, I need to establish a good rapport with a mechanic, with a shop, with you know, whatever it is, you're, in this instance, I'm going to say a, a mechanic shop. I go in and I really try to be, kind of become their friend, get to know them a little bit. You know, hey, here's my truck. I need this done. Dude, I know you're busy, man. Just whenever. I'm easy. And then on top of that, when I get my truck, I always pay. Like, boom. Nobody's ever digging around looking, looking for money. You want to just pay. Pay them right up front, especially with the mechanic shop. On the front side, I'm being super laid back and lax. You know, they call and they're like, hey, we didn't get to your truck. That's ah, no big deal, man. And my philosophy is by being that way on the front side, and then when I pick up the truck on the back side, I pay them right up instead of being like, yeah, I can give you half down now and let me go haul a few loads. I'll pay you the rest. I just, I think that I'm going to gain a really great rapport. And that when I call, eventually when I call and say, hey, I need my truck fixed. They're like, get this, get whatever truck's in the way out of here. Jackson's coming in with a truck. We're fixing his stuff right now. That's the ultimate goal. Like you want to be the top man on their list. And I, I 
always thought I can achieve that by being nice and kind and overly easy. Rooster this week from the drought that we've had, you know, in the last three years, we're finding we're in really great shape. Things look better now than they have in years by a long ways. But we found that our, our fields, the alfalfa, has just, just droughted out and died out. So all of our hay fields are mostly all grass now. So as a result of that, we're having to, to cultivate those fields, plow them up. And it's really hard to break that sod up and get it all worked back into usable soil. It's a long process. And in the end of it, it all ends with eventually seeding that ground into a rotational crop. So we got it all tore up. I've been on the tractor for, for days and days and days, kind of waiting for the baby, you know. And it, so it worked out good. I'm out getting this farming done. Well, I finally get a proper seed bed over this 100 acres. And we call to get the oats blown in. We don't have a drill yet to pull behind the tractor so we can seed on our own time. We have to call, call the outfit that does this and have them come broadcast, use a big, a big machine, a big floater truck that blows the seed out. And then we, we harrow over it and we roll it and, and squish it in the ground and it's ready to roll. Well, there's some rain coming in the forecast and you know, we call and, hey, we need, this, we need this done hopefully by the end of the week. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get it done. Well, we get to that day but the end of the week and we're like, hey, when are you coming out tomorrow? Oh, man, how, how late can we come out? Well, you probably want to do it in the daylight. Okay, yeah, see you tomorrow. So then the tomorrow comes, rooster calls. Hey, how's it? Oh, can we come out tomorrow? Yeah, it's, it's going to rain tomorrow. Kind of wanted it seated before the rain because rain's so precious, you know, around here. All right. Well, that, and then we get rained out. And anyway, you see what I'm illustrating is it just gets pushed down the line, down the line. And finally, the next week, it gets dry enough. It's go time. And Rooster calls in and, hey, when are you coming out today? It's been, you know, five days probably now. And it, it's only a, with that big machine, it's probably only a two-hour job to cover that ground. And it's, um, how late can we come out? He says, you can't. <laughs> you have to come out. You have to come out this morning. Oh, okay. And they ended up coming out, you know, because he had to put his foot down. He's like, look, you guys put me off like three times. And we got to get this done because there's another second round of rain coming. And we cannot miss this next round of rain. We got to get this stuff seated. And guess what happened? They're there within like an hour after he puts his foot down. And I've, I've had this same thing with, with diesel shops to where I'm like, hey, whenever. And then pretty soon, hey, whenever is, well, Jackson's easy. He's always nice. So we'll just keep. Yeah. I never want to be the guy that's like the squeaky wheel complaining, calling, being like, get my truck done. Get my truck done. Seed our oats. Got to get out of here. But I'm finding if you don't do that, People don't respond. And I don't understand why. Because personally, I would way rather haul loads for the cattle buyers that are like, yeah, man, just come in, unload the cattle, put them on feed, send me a bill, we'll have you check. I love that. Like, I, I find value in that myself to the people that I serve. But I don't know what changes or what. Do you see what I'm saying? See what you're saying. So I'm, my mind is breaking this into categories. Uh-huh. It's customer. Let me, let me think how to, how to line this up. So you've got, you've got demanding that pays 
on time, mm-hmm. demanding that pays. Yeah. You got demanding that doesn't pay. Mm-hmm. You got easy that pays and easy that doesn't pay. <laughs> okay. So there's like four. Four, you're right. So the, the demanding that doesn't pay is like, see ya. You're gone. You're gone. Okay. The easy that doesn't pay is they're at the bottom because if I don't have anything else going on, at least I can, I have some work that I can work on collecting. Okay. So it comes down to if you are paying, if you're always paying and you're doing what you need to pay, easy never pays. (laughs) I guess. Well, it never, it doesn't. In my case, it doesn't pay to be an easygoing guy. And I I guess, I I guess it's because if you come off as easygoing, it gives them a lot of, it, it gives them, the, I would think it gives someone the mindset like, look, we've got these really intense people that pay too. We, we got to find some spot in our schedule. Oh, this guy's, he's pretty easygoing. And it always gets, you always get railroaded. It always gets railroaded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to have you think in your trucking business, if you have two people that pay equally mm-hmm. and one that's easygoing and one that's demanding, who are you putting your time into? I prefer. I know what you prefer, but what do you? Because now I'm now I'm. I, okay, and I'm no, I, comparing this you, to I'll my you, schedule, okay. so my right demo now, schedule. For me, I don't deal with demanding guys that pay. I'm just like I've got so too much stress, too much stuff to deal with on my end. I don't need like like I have, there's a there's a cattle buyer. Like we've been hauling cattle forever, okay? And he's like, "Here's the load." I'm like, "Okay, I know it needs to get out tonight. I'm going to sit in line at the sale barn all night long and wait to get it loaded." Well, you sit in line, then you drive all night, and then he calls you at six in the morning, seven in the morning. Did you load them cattle last night? And I'm like, yes, I loaded the cattle last night. I sat in line. I didn't sleep any wink. I I sat in line till four in the morning and loaded them. Now I got to drive a thousand miles. Do not call me. He's a demanding customer. And I, I don't, because of that specific kind of behavior, to me, while I'm trucking, I don't do, I don't like it. Okay. So, well, I don't so you it. got rid of that one. Yeah. Now, now out of all of your other customers, you are going to have a most demanding. You're never going to have an equal amount Somebody of easy going. Somebody is going to be. There's yeah. always going to be the, because if you get rid of the really, really demanding, the now you're going to have the really demanding. Like the if you get rid of the one. really demanding, you're going to have just the demanding. Yeah. yeah. If you get rid of the demanding, you're going to have the kind of, de- you're always going to, and your customer base is going to have a range of easy going to some, to demanding. There's always going to be a level. Yeah. So if you've got a bunch of work that needs to be done and you're trying to go, okay, I have these five people, is the most easygoing one they're going to be the, the, the priority on your schedule? I see where you're going with this. No, I'm not. I, I think there's benefits to being easygoing, but I think you have to at some point say, I, I can't be easygoing about this here. This has to be done by this time. And if it's not, you have to maybe raise a little ruckus. Mm-hmm. Like, on my dental schedule, there's times where, I mean, I'm, we're, we're booked out for weeks at a time sometimes. And if I'm getting emergencies where people are calling saying, look, my face is swollen up, I'm having extreme pain, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I've got to find a spot to fit people in. Mm-hmm. I can look and go, this person's... Who's easy? This person's pretty easy and flexible. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I am able to discern when I can have some flexibility. If someone has oh, just this little small cavity that is really not going to have any problems for maybe more than a year, but it needs to be fixed. I can go, okay, I can talk to this person and say, hey, can we reschedule you for till next week? We've got this 
But if that person, if the person who I know is really easygoing is the one that's swollen or in pain or whatever, they're going to be, I'm always going to accommodate that as quickly as I can. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is, what am I trying to say? It doesn't really pay to, to be the easy guy. I think being the laid back guy, you always end up on the bottom of the pile, like you did with your pickup and your, your blown out tire. But, but so why does it, but I think the reason for that is because people who provide a service like you as your trucker, me as dental, whatever, or the mechanic, they, the easygoing person is going to be pushed back probably out of fear of conflict with the non-easygoing person. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. So they kind of get bullied into it. It's not that you're not appreciated for being easygoing, yeah. but that appreciation is yeah. swallowed by the, yeah. Yeah, you're right. by the fear of the, the, you know, the, the, the person who's... So it leaves me, I just, I don't, going forward, I'm kind of, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of in between shops right now. You know, I've started doing so much more of my own work because I kind of started getting shuffled off by my last shop, I felt like a little bit. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know. Do I need to just change my mentality and be all like pay on time and be a monster still? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe try this. I'd be curious how this goes. If when, when you're going looking for shop, say, look, here's the deal. You never have outstanding bills with me. You never will. Uh-huh. I'm generally pretty easygoing. If I, if I don't need this right now, I'm going to say, yeah, I've, I've got some flex time here. Get to it when you can. Yeah. But when I need something done, I need it done right now. So if you want me as a client, that's probably a good way. Say you're generally going to have it pretty easy going with me and you're always going to be paid. You're never going to have an outstanding invoice. Uh-huh. But when I need something done, I need it done. Yeah. Now you're going to have to find a spot in your, in your schedule to do that for me. And I honestly, I'm at the point where I, I don't care to, I, I won't mind even if I got to pay more. Like, hey, charge me another $15 an hour on top of your shop rate. I don't care. I just, I need it done. And maybe you should tell them that. Like, I'm willing to pay you more. Have that conversation. Put me on a higher rate. <laughs> sure. To have, get it done. Up front, have that conversation with yeah. them. Yeah. And, and when it comes up, they're like, well, say, do you remember the conversation that we had when I first came in here? <laughs> That's why I came in. I had an interesting with my accountant where... I was, I kind of got shuffled off, really like my accountant. We've worked together for a long time. And as they have gotten busier, I got shuffled off recently, kind of shuffled down the line and it just wasn't working as well. Wasn't, just wasn't happy, easy going. It was just causing me more stress dealing with, with different people than I'd been used to. So I, I called her up and had a conversation and she's like, yeah, sorry. I was just so busy. I had to kind of try to decide who I could shuffle off. (laughs) I couldn't. And I said, look, this is causing me stress in my life that I don't need dealing with the new people. What does it take to become your, well, my rate's higher than the rest of the office. And I was like, again, what are we talking? And she told me, you know, and it was a fairly menial amount, another $50 a month or something. And I was like, get me on the wagon. Like, Take me with you. Don't leave me behind. Like, how did I not make the cut? Oh, I'm sorry. I'll get you on. And, and just like that, I'm back on board and everything's back to the good old. <laughs> but, but she, she made that clear up front. Like, why? Well, I, I got to charge more. I'm on a little different tier now than I was. And it's okay. I, to me, that money is worth, well worth it. It's well worth it. I would suggest to the accountant, if, why wouldn't they tell you that up front? Like I, I'm thinking of, and she did mention that. She goes, I should have just, I should have just brought this up to you. Well, because here's what, here's you, you actually took the time 
to go say, hey, what's going on here? And like, well, we're gonna have to charge you more. Okay. A lot of people are like, this is garbage. I'm finding someone new. And that's how I was feeling a little bit. And I almost did. So why wouldn't, so if you're going to potentially lose someone by not having a conversation, like why wouldn't you, this lady say, go to all the people she works with and say, look, I'm, I'm advancing. My prices are raising. This is what it is to work with me. We have some other competent accountants you can stick with here. Mm-hmm. And this is where they're at. Yeah. What would you like to do? Yeah. Yeah. That's what they should have said. Because right. you could easily just. And she recognized that. She ya. goes, man, I, I'm sorry. I should have, I should have had this conversation. I'm glad. I sh-. And she said that. She specifically said, I'm glad you gave me a chance to fix the problem. I was like, good. Great. And we're good. It's funny. She fixed the problem by charging you more. <laughs> Okay, that's a win for you. All you got to do is charge me more and I'm happy. I'm glad you let me fix the problem by you paying me more. That's such a great way to... I wish my problems could be fixed by people paying me more. Paying you more. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so the sheep gal, does she have that little self-awareness of things or is she, does she know that you're, she can take advantage of you? Have you thought of that? That's a good question. Like you don't think anyone's malicious like that? Like are you... Do you do this to me because you know that I'll do it for you? I think it's I think it's lack of self-awareness. It's got to be. Because it it hap- the interactions are infrequent enough. Uh-huh. It's not like, oh, I know. I know like I who's the sucker? Ah, oh, I'll get looped to it every single time. <laughs> it, I think it's infrequent enough and the circumstances are usually tied to some other kind of a stressful event for them that I think it's I think it's lack of self-awareness. Uh-huh. But I I'm I'm I have no problems saying I'm done with stuff. And now if it comes up and I, and I'm going to, if it comes up, I want to say no, cause you're a taker. Right. If that comes up, I'm going to use the exact line so out of that thing. I just said, no, you're, a, you're a taker. And, and she might need to hear that. That might be good for her. It, sometimes stuff like that's hard to hear, but it's good for you. I think it was good for me to read that because I, I have stepped back and evaluated a lot of the things, my interaction with people to see if I, who are, if I'm a taker. Who's, yeah. And who um, are takers? Who, who's taken from you? Yeah. That I maybe need to pull back from. But yeah. Huh. I've got a, I've got a couple little, little Nicky knackers here. Let's do it. Interesting one. Let's do it. I got a phone call after our last episode where we were talking about the cement. Oh, two episodes ago. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. With Dale. By the way, everyone loved that Dale. Everyone loved you, man. The crazy thing too with Dale is we didn't even talk about his trucking. Like we, <laughs> know, we just all... kissed it at the very end because yeah. we were talking about all that other stuff. Yeah. So we'll for sure get him back on. Yeah. So I get this phone call from from Troy Vanderboom. Troy listens to the podcast and I do a lot of business with Troy. I haul all those toilets around the country. And we were mentioning the cement, the drop, right? The, yeah. the shoot. Like the kids are out right now playing basketball on a cement pad, right? So I've learned that from his phone call, he calls me up and he's like, he's like, hey, that is, <laughs> oh. that is not right. That ain't cement. Right? <laughs> cement, yeah. yeah cement, because yeah, yeah. he goes, cement is an ingredient. Like it's just a thing. It's just a little part of concrete. It's just one, one piece. He's like, come on, man. And I forgot we had had this talk. I'd had this talk with him forever ago. I was like, hey, are you so like when you're pouring cement? And he's like, I don't ever pour cement. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I never pour cement. We do concrete. It's boom, concrete. 
<laughs> so I told him, I said, all right, Troy, next time I get with Luke, I will rectify. He's so touchy. Troy's so touchy about these things, man. <laughs> I hope you're laughing, Troy, wherever you are. But uh, you all need to know that referring to anything that is poured out and becomes permanent and that you play basketball on, that you drive on, that you walk on, sidewalks, car pads, it's all concrete. I get corrected by my six-year-old kid on that. Really? And so we were setting, last fall, we were setting some, setting some posts in concrete. There you go. And we were mixing it by hand in a, in a wheelbarrow. And if, if, if any of you have ever mixed concrete oh, yeah. in a wheelbarrow by hand or in a hand mixer, you yeah. know, the, the, the drum, drum, it's easy. You have that, you have a, you open up the bag. Okay. Let me, let me backtrack. If it is not pre-mix. So right. like the quick creed is all right, You have stuff that everything's mixed, We're but talking you, like you can you're get making some, it. some cheaper stuff where you open it up and it's basically sand and gravel in this bag. And then there's a separate little plastic bag of a white powder. Uh-huh. The white powder is the cement. So when the cement mixes with the sand and the gravel, now it becomes concrete. Uh-huh. So as we were mixing this, my kid and I, we were having this conversation of what the ingredients are. And I don't even think about it. Sometimes I call stuff cement. Right. Oh, that's out on the cement pad. Right. Whatever. I always Just, do. You know, oh. And he's like, do you mean concrete, dad? <laughs> I'm like, yep. Ozzy, man. So kills me. So, man, him and Troy probably just get along. Oh, great. yeah. Oh, perfect. Speaking of that, of the concrete drop. <laughs> and that doesn't even sound cool. You're like, we have a concrete drop. You're like, what? I did post a, a, a quick story on Instagram a while back where you could see it. Yeah. Yesterday, the water came in. Did it? So, the big canal, the water came in. It's kind of the beginning of, of the season when yeah. the water comes in the canal in Fairfield. Yeah. And if, if any of you don't know what we're talking about, go back a couple episodes to Dale Sand, and, and we talked a lot about this. But this, this concrete drop, we've been riding bikes up and up by it quite a bit, and we've noticed there was a dead beaver in it. And I don't know if you've ever seen a beaver skull. Mm. They have these, oh, I mean, giant, yeah, they're, they're cool. their front teeth, are these giant they're yellow so teeth, huge. And so we had, we had been going, hey, we should, go, we should go take the head off of this, this beaver. And we have someone who, has those beetles that you can oh. take skulls to them and uh-huh. the, the beetles will, will just turn these things beautiful take all the tissue and everything off of them so we were kept thinking about going to get the the head off of this beaver and sending it to him to have that that really neat skull and then i'd heard the water was coming in so i was like hey we got to go up there and and get that because it's this is our you know it's coming and so we we headed up there and and we crawled down in this it's got kind of steep sides. Crawled down in this concrete drop. Yeah, there I almost you go. Said cement. Think for it's like a- and, um, and so we're sitting there, you know, and and now the this has been temperature had warmed up, and so this thing had really started to decompose, pretty maggoted up and kind of gross. So I'm trying to figure out what's going to be the least offensive way to get this get off here. Off. And I'm sitting there, kind of looking at, thinking about it, and I hear this. And I look up. No way. And the water had just crested over and was coming down the, <laughs> down the cement up there. And it was, a, I don't know, 40 or 50 yards up coming down. And I'm like, oh, there's the water. <laughs> and Ozzy, my kid, is like, oh, oh I bet. Because you're in this, you're kind of in this steep. Yeah. And, and there's no way out. If you follow it down, it's just this deep drop. Yeah. Which you can um, only go out over about. the sides. Yeah. So I sat there playing around, trying to get the, the head off of this thing. And it, the, 
the bottom jaw came off and it was, I couldn't, it was, I couldn't get it separated. And I was just like, dad, dad, do you think we should stay in here? Dad? <laughs> hey dad. I love how he asked that. Do you think we should stay in here? <laughs> and I could, I'd look at him. I could see his, his face just, you can see on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not his normal face. He's definitely worried about this. <laughs> and even if, it comes. It starts so slow yeah, that we like could we could stand in there and get you know for a while and have no problem getting out. But, <laughs> but yeah. I, said, I said, "All right, go ahead." I said, "All right, let's go." And man, he was up and out of there <laughs> so fast. Blink, he was out of there because <laughs> he was so worried about that water coming. <laughs> yeah. So the water's, water's in. in, man. You know what? I I got a Julia. My wife took a a video of it coming. I ought to. I ought to just post that. You should do that. And then when it gets really full and going, you have to post it. It's just so powerful. And yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah. So that's so, so concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Troy, yeah. there you go, bud. <laughs> do you have any, do you have any pet peeves with trucking that would be similar to that? I'll tell you one I have in dentistry. Oh yeah. there. Yeah. I'd have to think on that, but there are definitely. So, are. so people who have jaw pain, a lot of times they come and say, yeah, I have TMJ. TMJ. So the, the joint, you know, you put your, your finger next to your ear and open okay. and close that joint oh, that yeah. your jaw hinges oh, yeah. on is called the temporal mandibular joint, short okay. for TMJ. Okay. All right. So you can have, so there's a broad category called TMD, temporal mandibular disorder, where you can have problems with that joint that, that can manifest in a variety of different types and of pain, a variety of things, but it's a disorder and a lot of things can fall under it. But when people say, I have TMJ, there's no one alive that doesn't, well, unless something crazy <laughs> happens, there's no one that doesn't have a TMJ. Because everyone has, everyone, has a joint. everyone has a joint. <laughs> and even if it was TMD, you're like, that's not, that's, that's not teeth. But we, but we do go a lot with, with that, though we still deal with yeah. that a lot. With, there's a variety of things. So we do deal with that, that disorder. Oh, so many people come. I, I just want you to know I have TMJ. I'm like, you know, no. I'm like, okay. Right on. Glad you have. You should have two of those. So, <laughs> I can say I know how how Troy's just hackles raised when he heard about the cement. I actually, concrete. yeah, because I get I get a little bit with when people say diesel. Or is it a diesel? diesel? Like diesel? Diesel? Like I've got a diesel pickup. Diesel. Like when like D E E Z L diesel. I don't uh-huh. know. I I have no. I say creek sometimes instead of creek. Same thing. I know. I understand. So it's you have you have a weird. All right. So you're in a, a, a much. No, you're going to say I, I'm you're, way pickier than Troy. No, because at least Troy is talking about something. No, I don't want to say picker. It's just a much a much less intellectual <laughs> situation. I'll try to think of something a little more fancy. Like Troy and I are talking about actual. You know, a, <laughs> like a yeah, an actual. You're talking about the pronunciation pronunciation of a word. Yeah, we're just a little more intellectual. Troy, I understand. <laughs> I understand, Troy. <laughs> Oh, I learned a hard lesson yesterday. And this, this might be a tip for you guys. Maybe not. It's probably. Actually, I bet this applies to a lot more people listening than I would think. All right. So it's becoming an issue to get rid of semi tires. Like the old tires, they've run their life. They've run their course. I've removed them. They have no more use. They're too old to, to take to the retread plant. They're just, they're done. Tire recycling sounds really cool, right? They do cool stuff with this plants. Uh, there's one in Utah, recycles tires, grind it all up in these little tiny rubber chunks. They are able to separate the wires out of them. So the wire ends up going back to get, you know, melted down and recycled and they 
chop up into these little things. They use them for playgrounds and they mix it into pavement sometimes. If pavement's the right word for that, I don't know. Is it asphalt or pavement? <laughs> I better not even go there. <laughs> but anyway, they use it as for some of that. So I was looking into that. It costs like 18 or $20 a tire to dispo- to have your tire recycled versus just sending it to the landfill, which is great. Like, that's a great incentive to recycle. <laughs> it costs me even more. So it adds up. And I mean, you just a semi, just the drive tires on your semi, that's eight tires. So, you know, 20 bucks a pop just to get rid of eight tires. It's a pretty good chunk of money. And that's just for one semi. So I had this, this old set I took off. They were like 13 year old tires. I need to haul them to our, we don't even have access to recycling here for, for rubber. Even if we wanted to, they'd have to go clear to Utah, but took them to our, it's not a landfill. It's just a transfer place. The landfill, wherever it's at, they send trailers every day and they you fill these trailers up with the trash from our town and they go to a landfill. Like every city and whatever across America. But anyway, Republic Services is a trash company. They have all the blue trucks. They do all your trash now too, don't they? Republic? Yeah, I think they've, they're covering they've a lot bought. of the state now. And it's not just, they're not just a state thing. They're like, Everywhere in the U.S., they're buying, like, waste management used to be the big deal, and they're buying a lot of waste management out. Anyway, you can take stuff just directly to the transfer station. They have a scale. So I loaded up. I think I had, I ended up with, like, 11 tires, and they were big tires, big, heavy tires. Loaded them up my pickup, haul them in, and I walk in, and I was like, all right, got these tires. Sure. They weigh me in. I dump them. They weigh me out, and I walk in to settle up. And she goes, all right. I said, what's it going to cost, you know? And I knew it was going to be a lot of money. But she goes, well, I'm giving you the, you know, you're going to have the bulk tire rate. What do you always think of when someone says you get the bulk rate? Discount. Right. Yeah. I was like, cool. So 11 tires. She goes, that's a, that'll be $181. I was like, okay. I was like, what, what's the bulk rate? She goes, $278 a ton. Uh, and I'm there and there's people in line. It was a busy day. You know, people are waiting in behind me. And so I'm like, okay. So I write her the check. And I look at their pricing guide that's in the window as I leave. And it says, you know, it says the bulk deal. And then it says semi-tires, $11.75 a piece. So I go get back in my pickup. I start doing my math. And I divide it up. And I realize that I paid like $15 or $16 a tire for the bulk rate. And I'm like, what? So I realize in my head, I'm like, the bulk rate is more expensive they treat the bulk like, oh, we got to deal with all these tires rather than like, hey, you brought all these tires. You get a discount. <laughs> so I learned that when bringing tires to town, I need to do them not individually, but in a much lesser like, yeah, I got four tires in the back of my. Did, what was the, what was the, what the number? Is. I don't know. I don't know. But it, had, I, had I just hauled in. I think as long as they're not heaped up and piled, like I had them stacked up like square bales in the back of my pickup. That's how you stack tires. Mm. And so it's this big old load lumbering in, you know, bulk. I'm going to try next time just maybe four tires at a time. And if she's like, that's bulk rate, I'm like, oh, then I'll find out, well, what's, it can't be an individual tire. <laughs> but if it is, I think it'd be worth it to just, anytime I go to town, just throw a tire or, back. Or just go and unload one tire, get back in line. <laughs> I'm on the other tire. Get Just back to in prove line. a point. Right. But it blew me away. So 
just be aware of that, you guys, those of you that are working on your trucks and stuff, when you dispose of your tires, the bulk rate is not what you probably think it is. I get, and it, was, it came out to, I paid $50 more than I should have or huh. could have had I got the individual tire rate. So there you yeah. have it, a little tip. Well, there is a, there's a cool thing you could do with your tires. It's called rammed earth building, rammed earth building. Yeah. They call them earth ships and they're these, they're fascinating to me. <laughs> I have to look them up. They're, they're, they're dwellings. They're, the walls are built out of tires, but you, you essentially pack the inside, the whole inside of the tire okay. with soil, with earth, and you just keep stacking these tires. And they, they build these, these, they call them earth ships. They're these big <laughs> dwellings and houses built with old tires. <laughs> they're on. I gotta look them up. You gotta look up rammed how, earth. How do they end up with a roof over them how did they well, once you get your walls to wherever you're you just at put trusses on it you can put trusses or whatever on them <laughs> okay. and really? when they ram that earth in apparently they're extremely structurally sound huh. i wonder if you filled them with concrete if they'd be even better that'd be pretty expensive though. pretty expensive yeah yeah do they look horrible i've seen guys that build like livestock windbreaks out of them and you're like well that's that's cool but what an eyesore yeah wow. they um no, they don't look horrible, but you have to look as a thing in totality. It like, there's a number of other, other elements that are typical of these earth ships. In fact, it's, it's so cool to the point that I considered going down to New Mexico for like extended period of time yeah. and taking a school of building There's earth a ships school to make earth ships? For, just because it's just, <laughs> it's just really cool. Well, if you get into it, I can supply you with all the tires. And here's the funny thing, like, you feel like you're like, well, no, we're, we're doing something good with these tires. And you're like, yeah, you're leaving them on top of the ground instead of putting them in the ground. Yeah. Like, yeah. But earth ships, I want to look, I want to check it yeah, out. Rammed earth building. Rammed, rammed earth building. Yep. Oh. Yeah. And they, and they do it with, with what are called these earth ships. Yeah. <laughs> no they're, idea. they're really cool just because of what they are. Leave it up to you to be like, I almost went to this course. <laughs> you should build an earth ship to hang your artisanal cuts, your artisanal cuts of meat. You know? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's to the point that I've considered building a building a barn rammed earth yeah. tires. Yeah. If you could get the outside, who cares what the inside looks like like on a barn? It'd be great. If you could get the outside somehow to look like, hey, that's not bad. They're you know, they're just they don't look that bad though. Huh. You'll have to look them up. Everyone listening, look up uh, rammed earth. Earth ships. Anyway, it's gonna like trend number one on Google. This random, like, what's trending for searches on Google? Rammed Earth building. Well, all right. Uh, so next week, who knows if we'll have an episode because you you may be hospitalized with that's my other stones, that's kids. my other thing. I'm like, I, I got a I got four kidney stones in my right kidney, probably a byproduct of being a trucker. But anyway, we're so, going to get those flushed out this week. And so then, we'll see what happens with, with recording over I gotta this next get week. Something. I got to get something in. But we'll figure something out. If, right. Worst case, we'll do a remote. From your hospital bed? From my hospital bed. And then we'll have to remote also while you're on the road with NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, because that's going to be a two-weeker. We're going to Portland and then on down to Sonoma. Fancy country I hear. Oh, man. Portland to Sonoma. We go from like the biggest trash heap in the country now, and what used to not be, but now is. They, they, I don't know if they were exaggerating, but the NASCAR guys were saying last year they had to like sweep the homeless people out of the race complex. Like they had people in there setting up camps and they are like, shoot, 
Really? <laughs> so they could have wow. a race. And I don't know if they were exaggerating. I tend to think they weren't because it's Portland. But we're going to go from like that down to, they all say it's wine country, the fine wine country of Sonoma, California. I don't know. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. All, all right, report. guys. We'll talk to you later.